0: Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm
1: host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills and passionate about personal
0: growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben, and today's episode is all about feeding corn to deer? We're going to answer, is it okay? Should we be doing this? Uh, Before we get into all those details and some of the science about it, we need to give thanks.
1: Yeah, I want to say first, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening today. If you're a first-time listener, thank you. We appreciate having you. My thankfulness is all in the vast amount of words, and why I say that is my son, he is eight, an eight-year-old, and him and his buddies are using the word bruh and he says bruh all the time so much so that we are working on using different words <laughs> because I'm telling you I'm tired of hearing a bruh but you know it does only come out like when we get excited or like uh, if we're playing something and he's like let's go bruh you know but the bra has got to change the bro's got to change and we're working on saying so many other words so your thankfulness is that there are options. Yeah, that the vast amount of words that we have that we're not stuck in, in only using a certain amount of words each day that we can change our vocabulary. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, there's there's other words we can use. I'm thankful bro. for that. I got yeah. you, bro. Thanks, bro. I feel
0: you. Appreciate you. <laughs> well, my thankfulness today is for faithfulness, in particular God's faithfulness. You know, we did a exercise at church. Uh, on Sunday this this past week, and it was really impactful. Uh, it was actually our, our worship pastor, and he kind of just paused for a minute, and it felt organic. I don't know if it was planned or not, but we, he had us all close our eyes. And then he asked every person in the room that could think of a specific time in their life that God was faithful to them to raise their hand. And, you know, you felt the security. Your eyes are closed, and, and you trust that everybody's got their eyes closed. So you raise your hand. And uh, then he says, all right, open your eyes. And everyone opens their eyes. And as you look around, every single person in the room, hundreds and hundreds of people, has their hand in the air. And it was just really impactful. You know. You see, you, you see your spouse with their hand raised, and you don't hear everyone sharing all these times that God was faithful. And you don't always have them on your mind. But when you stop and think for a moment about times that God was faithful in your life, it is almost... Uh, can honestly move you to tears because he does. He shows up when we need him. As humans, we can, I often think his timing sucks. (laughs) It's not always what I want when I want it, but he is always faithful to not only provide what we need when we need it, but to not give us things that we think we need when we don't need them because his plan is going to prevail regardless of what our plans are. Yeah, and not
1: to go down a tangent, but that was awesome facilitation by that pastor, like, Um, everything that just happened today that you talked about that you felt that you experienced all came from the facilitation of him, um, allowing God to use him through that facilitation. And that's why I love facilitation. And what I mean by that was he literally did an activity with the whole congregation and there's just so much power in that. And, and I know we're not here to talk about that today, so I'll stop, but, um, that's real that's truth. And that's why it's, that's why I love facilitation. and, And I think God works through that, um, like he does everything else. So. Yeah,
0: the encouraging side of that that I'd like to leave with every listener is God is faithful. He always has been. He is going to be the timing. Uh, there may be big gaps. There may be years, weeks, months, days, hours between his faithfulness, when he shows it in the situation that you are looking for him to show it in, but he is going to show it to you. So keep pressing forward. We're going to keep pressing forward and we encourage you to do that with us.
1: You know, that comes through reflection, Brian. So stop and reflect. That's what, that's what the activity was, was stopping and reflecting on what God's done. And that does build faith, um, builds trust. And, and that's what I would encourage you listener to do if, if you're needing it is, is to, stop and truly reflect on what god's done in yeah. your life he,
0: he loves us and and our faithfulness to him matters a whole lot more than than our success in this life or, or what we're doing so he loves us so deeply uh he will return our faithfulness uh, with faithfulness and and that is that is it is a great a great promise a, a great reward a great relationship it is is truly what it is so i hope somebody finds that encouraging today i know i found it encouraging this this week at church so i wanted to share it that's good, Brian. That was a good one. The title of this really is, Should We Feed Corn to Deer? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's really what we're going to be talking about. We're going to get a little deeper. Um, the reason that we're even bringing up this topic is this is the time of year we are about, oh, I'm going to say a month. Within the next 30 days, our state and most of the surrounding states around us, much of the U.S., the archery season is going to start for tailed deer. And this is the time of year where hunters really they want to take inventory of the bucks that are on their land. People want to start attracting bucks, deer to their property, whether they're hunting or not, because now they have their antlers fully grown. They want to see them. And the fail-safe, what everyone turns to is corn. It has been for decades and decades and decades. It still is today. It's readily available. Corn is the failsafe. It's highly attractive. But is it okay? As we move on in time, people start to raise questions about, is it really good for deer? Oh, I found a deer, it had corn in its stomach, and it was dead. Did that kill it? There's all these questions surrounding feeding corn, and we're going to answer as many of them as that we know.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people that feed corn. Um, How I know this is when I go to the store, whether it be Walmart, Bass Pro, this is about the time of the year that they're going to start placing corn out. And I'm here to say that when I walk through... They have to restock it. Like, the multiple times that I go in there, people are buying corn. And if they're buying corn, then I know they're feeding corn. And, you know, I think people think that uh, to help the deer nutritionally, they need to feed corn. And, And that's really what I want to get into with you, Brian, first, is does it actually benefit deer? Should we be feeding corn? Does it actually benefit
0: them? Well, first I'll say this. People are putting out trail cameras. Trail cameras, there are so many right now. And it is easy to get deer in front of them with corn. I mean... You put corn out, they're going to find it, they're going to come to it. And so that is why so many people are buying it. And some people think that in doing so, they are adding nutritional value to these deer. And some people, some landowners buy corn and put it out just to provide food for these deer. And that's really the question you're asking. Is it nutritionally beneficial for these animals? And the answer to that really is no, it's not. Uh, It's just starch. Um... It doesn't do a whole lot for them. Corn has... I'm going to say it probably averages about 5 or 6% protein content. And deer really need food with like 18%, 19 20% protein content for them to be really getting the nutrition they need to carry fawns, raise fawns, uh, grow antlers, get through the rut, do everything they need to do so there's five. So corn really is not providing that nutrition for them. It would be like... Uh, if you ate Butterfingers all the time, that's all you ate was Butterfinger bars. Mm. Yeah, it'd be really, really good, and you're not going to turn it down. Can we change it to Snickers? Well, let, sure, let me Snickers. Snickers. Okay. If, that, if that's all you ate all the time, yeah, you would love it, but uh, eventually you would become so malnourished you would die because you're not getting the nutrition that you need.
1: So, what you're talking about there is short term versus long term, though, really. So, you know, deer can go short term with corn because I, you know, if, if I was to change my diet and go to McDonald's and say that I only ate McDonald's, I'm going to still be able to live, but you're saying that there's a lack of nutrition there. And over time, um, that can become detrimental.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially in habitats where there is not a lot of proper nutrition available. I've said it in earlier podcasts and I'd love to do an entire podcast about it, but overall across our nation, the quality of habitat for our wildlife, including deer, even though we have millions of them, they're very resourceful, but our habitat overall, it stinks. It, it really does. It stinks and it's it's getting worse. Um, there are a lot of people out there that are passionate, that are trying to reverse that. But if you just look around at our native landscape and our, our native species, you're not going to find a lot of them. You're not going to read back in journals of Lewis and Clark and other explorers from hundreds and hundreds of years ago and what they talked about or journaled in pictures they drew, you're not going to see many of those landscapes today because those species are all gone. We've replaced them with things that fit humans better. So there are a lot of habitats, places where deer are, but there isn't a lot of quality food. So if you start putting corn out and they're relying on that food source and that is their main food source, it is not good for them long-term. In the short term, it does provide a lot of energy very quickly so a case where it may be good is like um after after does fawn after they have their fawns when they're lactating that high energy to produce the milk to raise those fawns it may be good then but the milk may not be as nutritious if they're not getting other balanced parts of their their diet you know our
1: our habitat not only for animals, but for us, has changed over the years. Um, I've been watching a, a show called Lestrouds Wild Harvest. Really good. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. Um, he does a lot with dandelion, but he got into talking about how the Europeans brought dandelion over, and how Brian, we have dandelion today, and it sounds like there was a time when dandelion may well, not have been here. We got a debate we
0: got to have. I got to pause. Pause it up. Is it dandy or danda? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I say dandelion. what I say? Dandy. And they certainly ain't dandy, I'm telling you that. Well, they're dandy to eat. They actually are pretty good. You can eat the entire thing. Right. From root to leaf right. to, to flower. Do deer eat dan- danda,
1: dandelion <laughs> or dand- <laughs>
0: dandelion? <laughs> dandelion. You know, they uh, when the leaves are very young and palatable, uh, they will, but as they, they uh, which is actually when we want to harvest them too, but they right. get bitter and tough as, as the leaves mature, so a little bit when they're very young and juvenile state of the leaves.
1: You know, hunters, uh, let's just say that you, you love to hunt your backyard. You love to hunt public land. Um, I understand that like it, this is the time to set up your game cameras and how else are you going to get them there besides putting out corn? Like I want to see what's in there. I I think that's what a lot of us do is I want, I want these animals to walk by. I want them to be in front of my game camera, my trail camera. Um, Also, I want to have deer coming to my property. And, and, you know, growing up, that's that's been the mindset. It's mm-hmm. been the thought. It's been the thing to do is is to throw out corn. And I think we're starting to, to hear from you, though, now that, like, it does have an impact using corn in an area that, that deer, you know, where we live, we don't have corn in our backyard. And I think that's that's what we're talking about here is, is we're going to attract deer by throwing out corn. And you're telling us that, it does have an impact on their diet when they start eating
0: it. Yes, and I don't want people to get me wrong, and I'll just come straight forward and say it. It is okay to feed deer corn if you are doing it properly. There is a proper way to do it. The reason corn is used so often is we as humans, uh, we love the quick fix, always the quick fix. and it, It is the quickest fix to attract deer. If you're throwing game cameras out in August and you want to get pictures real quick because in three weeks you need to know what buck you're going to go hunt, corn is it. However, if you've been feeding mineral and created mineral sites all summer, if you started in in April, May, and June and provided these mineral sites, you're going to have the same deer coming to these mineral sites whether you put corn out there or not. But it does take a little longer to establish these areas. Um, It takes a little more work. But if time... And money is a constraint, then corn is your quick fix because they find corn quick, and it is highly, highly attractive. And any deer that is in the area is going to come spend time in front of your camera at the corn. It's also super readily available, and if you know where to shop for it, it's pretty affordable. Depending on the year, depending on which derecho storm came through and wiped out crops in yeah. Illinois or not, those all those things sound well, silly, but it affects the price of even the corn. The cheap right junk corn that you're feeding to your deer
1: you know it's august here in the ozarks and our oak trees are starting to put on acorns Mm -hmm. and our persimmon trees are starting to yeah make persimmons uh they're green they're really green and so are deer able to even eat them yet this time of year is that what they're are they waiting for them to fall um is that why um some of these areas that have these food sources um maybe deer aren't aren't using them yet.
0: Right. So you're talking about your our hard mast and soft mast. And, and here in August, those, those are all still uh, unpalatable to deer. One, they're all mostly still up in the trees, so they can't really get to them. Two, they haven't uh, ripened, so they're not really palatable. I don't know if you've ever eaten a green persimmon, but it's one of the <laughs> worst things you could possibly put in your mouth. And I've played some pretty evil tricks on people with that before. Michael <laughs> T. Rose, you are a faithful listener and supporter. I love you, but Gosh, that was funny when I watched you eat You know, that was pretty mean to trick him <laughs> like that. You, you, well, hey, I...
1: You you took one for the team because you actually put it in your mouth and was chewing on it to show him like that was okay, but you yes. held a pretty yeah. pretty solid face because it got both of you.
0: And for you listening, if you've never experienced that or seen someone experience that, it is an astringent and it literally numbs your mouth. Every part of your mouth is completely numb. You can hardly speak when you eat a green persimmon paradoxing that to when they're ripened, it's like one of the sweetest things that you can eat. So
1: So when it is time to eat both acorns, if you wanted to go through the process of eating acorn and um, persimmon, when deer are wanting to eat it, it's also ready for us to eat as well. Correct.
0: Correct. But right now there's so much, uh, there's so much browsable uh, grasses and uh, forbs and woody plants and all of these things native browse for deer. That's their main diet right now. But as that starts to go away, that's when the the hard and soft mass starts to fall. I mean, I don't think it's coincidence. God, you can see how his seasons provide for Mm -hmm. his animals Mm -hmm. like perfectly. As one food source goes away, he provides another one for them, uh, just like he does for us. So right now they're eating all kinds of greens and things that are available to them. Once the acorns and persimmons start to fall, they'll move on to those.
1: So Brian, there are a lot of stories of, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people share stories that deer eat or can eat or do eat way too much corn when people put it out. Um, Actually, matter of fact, I've heard that it causes them to die. Is there any truth to to that saying?
0: So there is truth to that feeding corn to deer can cause them to die. However, it isn't true that they'll eat so much that they will die. That it isn't an overeating issue that causes them to die. So what actually causes them to die is corn being fed to them at the wrong time of year. And it's actually the time of year when most people will put out corn. So let's say uh, it's a non-hunter. Someone owns five acres deer pass through the back of their property. It's January. It's been negative temperatures for two weeks. Clearly, these deer, that the acorns are ate up. There's nothing green. There's nothing for them to eat. My poor babies, let's give them some corn. So they throw out a pile of corn and the deer come out there and they're eating it. They're loving it. They're absolutely loving it. Well, a week later, they find three dead deer on their property. They call biologists out and they come to find that they have a stomach full of corn. What actually happened is they didn't overeat. Deer are ruminants, so they require microorganisms in their gut and fluctuating depending on their diet to actually digest their food. So as it got into winter and they're pretty much only relying on woody brows, they only have microorganisms to break down woody brows. Now we introduce give us a,
1: a give us an example of a woody brow. You've been saying they've been browse, uh, brow so they're they're walking and feeding as they find things, but what is a woody brow?
0: Woody Woody brows is literally uh, I mean, they're eating tree branches or any little twigs or saplings that are on the ground. Deer can bite those off and and digest them. And they rely on those a lot in the winter when other food sources are scarce. Um, But because that's all they're really eating, they they don't have a diverse diet. So their microorganisms are not diverse in their gut. So when they introduce this corn, they can't digest it. And they, they can get acidosis and get all big and bloated, but it actually kills them uh, pretty quickly. It kills them, and that's when people find this and they say, oh, I gave them corn and they overate, you know, dumb deer. Well, no, it isn't the deer's fault. It's just how their bodies work. So how to do it properly would be to start feeding like in October, November, where they still have a pretty diverse microorganisms uh, palate in their gut. They're still eating acorns, persimmons, there's still some green things available. Then once you introduce corn, they're okay to eat it. And then you can keep on feeding it through the winter and they're still able to digest it because of the presence of the correct microorganisms.
1: So you're saying like when I go eat Mexican food, I get acidosis and that's why I'm bloating.
0: Gasidosis maybe. <laughs> <Gas-acidos->
1: <laughs> so so let's say that I have uh, 400 pounds of corn. Mm-hmm and I put it out, um, it's wintertime, they're really hungry, I put out 400 pounds of corn. Are deer going to come up and absolutely wipe that out and only eat that?
0: No, so so what uh, science has shown us is that deer are going to only eat roughly about 1% of their body weight per day in corn. 1%, so a 200-pound deer is going to eat a couple of pounds of corn per day if it's available to them. It is actually a way... uh, that biologists, that's actually how we medicate deer. So there are projects, it's illegal to do on uh, uh, public deer, but deer that are in, uh, oh, that outfitters own or some that are in high fences or deer that are in research projects. Uh, You can give them like ivermectin to control ticks. Um, I had some, some pen raised deer that I actually did this on and how you can estimate just by looking at the deer roughly, honestly, probably within about 10 pounds of what that deer weighs. And you are actually going to put the correct uh, cc's of medicine into that corn for them to digest because you know they're going to digest about 1% of their body weight of that corn. And that's actually a a way that uh, researchers medicate white-tailed deer.
1: That's cool. Yeah, that's a great... Well, that's smart. That's that's a great way to do it. That's how we... I mean, we sometimes have to medicate by putting in our food as well or tricking people. We're with it.
0: Right. It's a lot easier than tranquilizing them and, and yeah. having to catch them because right. I'm going to tell you, even if you tranquilize a the deer, they're really not very easy to handle. You have this this animal that has these slick bony legs and they weigh a lot more than you, you really think when you're trying to pick them up and move them. Really, the best thing to do is just drag them and uh, they're not super easy to handle. Plus, you don't want to have to tranquilize them they do not always wake up there can be complications so just to be able to to medicate through their feed is a great thing and corn is a way to do that
1: so for the local hunter the 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 guy that just likes to hunt backyard maybe public land um has used corn all his life you know it's it's something that we've heard of been been taught at a little age throw corn out deer love it Mm -hmm. you know with corn today using corn is different than maybe how grandpa was able to use corn. Are there restrictions now that, that we need to be careful of, you know, if if I've always been throwing out corn, it's what I use. Um, and I'm not talking about to bait or to hunt over, but, um, again, to draw them into that area to, to be able, are there things that I have to start watching out for now or have things changed, um, since grandpa was, was throwing out corn?
0: Yes, it definitely has. Um, one, regulations have changed, but the regulations have changed. Some some because of culture, uh, society's culture and, and pressure, but uh, two because of diseases. Chronic wasting disease, uh, commonly known as CWD, um, it is more prevalent than it's ever been. We still don't know. We don't have all the answers to it. We know that it's caused by uh, a prion, which is a folded, an abnormally folded protein. We know that it's found in the soil. We know that once a deer gets it, there's no cure. It is mostly believed that it is spread through deer-to-deer contact, and so a lot of these feeding sites where deer uh, congregate closely together that normally wouldn't congregate together just out in in the native habitat, uh, states are trying to put in regulations to eliminate some of these feeding sites. I know in Missouri where we live, any county or area that is considered a CWD management zone, which is where... CWD has either been found or is an adjacent to where it has been found, you cannot feed in those areas. You can't even put uh, salt or mineral licks out in those areas. They don't want deer congregating together uh, at all because they don't want to spread this disease because it, once a deer gets it, it is fatal.
1: So if I'm in those areas and I'm wanting to put up um, trail cam, mm-hmm. you're saying that I can't use if, corn if you, anymore to, to attract them to that area?
0: Right. If you are in a CWD management zone, uh, you can still put up trail cameras, but you, honestly, you, you gotta get really good at scouting. You need to find these trails where where deer are actively using and passing. You need to identify, learn to identify a bedding area versus uh, a feeding area. And you need to put cameras at these crossroads in these heavily trafficked areas of game. So uh, a, a plus of that, I guess would be, a, it would force you to become a better woodsman. So
1: Brian, you know, you've told me this before, and, and I think the local hunter kind of realizes this, that Corn is like candy to a kid. Like it's like it's crack for deer. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a family podcast. We'll stick with candy. Okay, perfect. Yes. So, uh,
1: but you know, because it is that way, like it is pretty powerful to hunt over
0: that. Is is that something that I should be doing, and um, or anybody doing? Is Is that okay? It is. And in case there's uh, first time listeners on this, or people who haven't caught all. However many hundred podcasts we're on, I'll give a little bit of background on myself. I probably should have done this earlier in the show, but uh, I do have a degree in wildlife biology and I was privileged enough that my first year out of college, uh, I actually worked for almost three years uh, in the hunting industry Mm -hmm. and uh, managing properties and writing consulting plans for deer, uh, really surrounding deer and turkey. So... I have been privileged enough to go and travel and hunt and film hunts in several different states that have different regulations. So I, it's been really cool to experience what it's like um, in states that don't allow you to hunt over corn and states that do allow you to hunt over corn firsthand. And so basically off those experiences, I have an opinion. And that's what I – honestly, that's what I it's, – it's our show. I get to share my opinion on here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So in Missouri, where we live – You can feed deer corn as long as you are not in a CWD management zone. You can feed corn year-round unless you plan to hunt that area. If you plan to hunt that area, you must have the corn completely cleaned up for 10 consecutive days before you ever hunt. 10 consecutive days. It is considered baited for 10 days after you remove. So let's say you put a bag of corn out. And the deer come and they wipe it. There is not a single kernel left. You have to have 10 days of it being completely cleaned up before it is legal to hunt that area. And so
1: that could be even after a season has started then. It's just, yes. the, it's it's you hunting it. So Correct. if you're wanting to hunt opening morning of season, then there cannot be a kernel of corn um, 10 days prior to the first day.
0: Right. Gotcha. And, and you can't knowingly bait to assist someone else. Like if... if Let's say you have a small five ten acre property. Your neighbor has a f- small five ten acre property, and you're trying to pull deer off the bigger hundred acre property next to you. So you bait because you're not hunting, but you're baiting so that the deer are passing through your neighbor's property. That's against the law. You mm. cannot use deer to manipulate, or you cannot use corn, excuse me, to manipulate the movement of deer for hunting purposes.
1: What about radish? What if what if it's other? Uh, <laughs> I want to bring some other food out and throw out. Is that same?
0: Anything that you are throwing out and baiting that you didn't grow out there is that it is not a crop that you have grown is illegal. So if you threw out a bag of apples, that's the same way. That is illegal to So it's, it's not
1: just, hunting. you know, being unethical. We're talking it's it is illegal.
0: Right. Right. That's cool. Now what burns my bridge is being in the industry for years, hunting in this area for years, hunting in other areas. Pretty much every hunter Deer hunter knows that it is illegal to hunt over corn in the state of Missouri. Yet they do it anyway. Burns my bridge. Well,
1: we you say that you know they are, and I don't. I don't want to speculate. the only, The only way that we would know that they're doing it would be that we're seeing them buy it. Or you're just saying they have to be doing it because... Well, I've seen people do it. So you've caught people. I've, I've caught okay. people. So, okay, yeah, so I've, you know I've, for sure then you have caught people that's been doing it.
0: Yeah, I've been part of state investigations that people have been... The state actually has helicopters that fly around during during deer season and looks... I mean, corn piles are extremely visible. So they'll actually look for um, these corn piles on the ground in from a helicopter, from the sky, and go down and execute... Um, not execute but they'll, they'll go down and 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 carry out an investigation to find out what's going on here if these people are hunting and uh, people lose land rights people lose their their firearms people lose their hunting licenses their their right to hunt sometimes for a lifetime so so there is this is a, this heavy is a huge with it. yeah this is
1: a big deal it is at, a big I mean
0: right. if if the state is investing enough money to buy helicopters like it, it it is a problem um I know people who have shared with me their tactics because they their tactics against the state tactics because they know that they go up in a helicopter Well, they have all these ways to camouflage corn feeders and, and the way that they're putting corn out now so that the state can't find them.
1: Yeah, just diet green or, or right. brown depending on what,
0: I mean, where you're throwing. The <laughs> things that I've seen and heard, are, it's absolutely unbelievable, um, but it really comes down to selfishness right? because you're only caring about you and your hunting experience um, and a little bit of laziness because you want them to come do this. If that's the way you're hunting, in my opinion, you really aren't a very good woodsman because you aren't having to learn how to scout trails and and bedding areas and and pick the correct tree with the right cover that covers you up just enough to get a a bow shot off when they're in range. You're using corn, and in states that don't allow corn, there are always going to be people, of course, that are following the rules too, and it isn't fair to them that you get to cheat. You know, this is something that you...
1: um you had talked about it with me before, and it and it brought up this question that I had, and you answered it, and I, I want to share here your answer. um you know if if you're in a state that doesn't allow um, corn being fed and, and and allowing you to hunt over that, then what you told me is that it's literally you're going to be pulling the deer that's in that area you're going to be pulling all of the deer Mm -hmm. um, to that area because you're feeding corn right and so that got me thinking like well well then how why can't there are other states that allow you to hunt over corn and i've that was kind of that question like
0: kansas arkansas kentucky some of these big white tail mm -hmm. hunting states here locally i've hunted in all of them and you can hunt over corn there i have hunted over corn there filmed hunts i should say over corn there and it is a different experience than here in missouri because um, you, you were saying that because everyone's
1: allowed to do it um it kind of took away that that uh not
0: pressure but what's the word I'm looking for it took away that uh pulling yeah. that deer into one area yeah the novelty of it I don't I don't know what the correct word is but um it's i I'll, I'll compare it like this where we live and we have so many hardwood forests and it is acorn country it is oak tree upon oak tree upon oak tree. When those white oaks are raining down, it is so hard to pattern a buck. I mean, it is dang near impossible because there's really no reason for them to be on this ridge or that ridge or that ridge over there. Hard to get them timed up and pattern because it's everywhere. They can go get these white oak acorns. They can just meander around and find them. It's kind of the same way when you go to these states where Everyone who hunts has corn. Well, if one property has corn and the next one has corn, and the next, well, what? it doesn't really matter. Now it's going to start mattering more about habitat. Well, who has the best cover? Who has the best water sources? Those things start to matter again because they all have corn, right? Right. And the playing field is level. And you see that because they'll come out into these food plots, you know, been hunting in Kentucky, literally sitting 20 yards from the corn feeder, and I'll see a 100 deer in one hunt. And none of them ever went to the corn feeder because it's so available. And here in Missouri, you throw corn out. And I mean, you give it a couple hours and these deer are on it. And that is because there are more people that are following the rules than are not. So it is a novelty. It is like, um, say, a, a family has kids that never allow dessert. They never allow dessert for their kids. Well, when they go someplace and they pull a dessert out, how are those kids going to react? Yeah. They run. They can't hardly stand up. They're running so fast to get to that dessert. And that's what these deer are like in these states that don't allow you to hunt well, over Well, that's,
1: that's grandparents. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's when they go to their grandparents. Yeah, now. they go to their grandparents. Like, I know they're going to give it to me. All right. So.
0: Does that make sense? It's it does. It's hard to explain. No,
1: it does. So there is some truth then, too. If, if I'm going to feed corn, um, if I'm going to feed corn, then. I ought to do that, even if I have to stop ten days before I hunt, because there it may still kind of keep the deer in that area a little bit than, than your buddy. So
0: maybe that's kind of why they have the ten days. That's the science behind it. Of okay, that food source is gone and dried up. We're we're going to have to get back to our normal deer movement.
1: But but it's not illegal. I mean, you have stores that are are selling this stuff year round, right? So like if <laughs> if a store if if in that area I'm not supposed to be using it while I'm hunting, I mean then they probably shouldn't sell right. it. <laughs> and I have heard that excuse. Yeah.
0: I've heard that. I call it a Bubba excuse. Well, the store's selling it, then the I'm going to use it. The store's selling it. Right, right, right. And, th- and that's their. some people use that as their, their source for knowing the regulations. Well, the store is selling it in my area, so it must be okay to use. Well, I'm here to tell you the reason the store's selling it is because you're still buying it. Right. So first of all, <laughs> they don't care about the regulations. They care about making money. So if people are buying the product that they're putting out and it isn't an illegal, it is not an illegal product to sell, they're going to keep putting it out as long as you're buying it. So that right there is proof. If you go to an area that it's illegal to feed during hunting season, but that, uh, that corn pile, that, that, those bags of corn in the middle of the aisle at Walmart keeps going down in November and they keep having to restock it and there's a new brand in there every Friday... That's proof right there that your neighbors are probably feeding corn and breaking those regulations. So, as long as you are buying it, we know you're cheating because Walmart's stocking
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I and mean, here's a tip, too. Like, if, if you want to go buy corn, um, can you find it
0: cheaper than, than the bags at Walmart? <laughs> this isn't a tip I like to give, to be honest, but... <laughs> I hear this one a lot too like well they only sell 30 or 40 pound bags and they're like 899 999 right, the right. price goes up in the season and I'm like, yeah, the price goes up in the season again because they know you're gonna buy it uh-huh. and it's so expensive because they know you're gonna buy it. Heck with all that, go down to the MFA get you a bag of uh, a crack corn for 399 or whatever It's <laughs> yeah. so much cheaper. I right, don't know the exact right. price and it's a 50 pound bag. If you go to the feed store or the actual feed lot and not to Walmart, you are going to get more corn for a better price.
1: So, you know, there are different types. I mean, you're talking about when you go to the store to buy this stuff. There are kinds that have protein mixed in with them. There's, like you said, cracked corn. There's all these different kinds. Um, Are there kinds that I should be buying, shouldn't be buying? And does that help them to find it? Like, how are deer finding finding this these types anyway.
0: So, in the fishing and hunting world, uh, you and I have this this term, and we have talked to some professional anglers. That's actually where we got this term of, we'd ask them things and they say, oh, that's just fishing business. Fishing Which business. is basically yeah. code for, it's bull crap, they just want to get your money. Yeah, matter of fact,
1: Charlie Evans, professional bass angler, spent some time with him, and he used that on me a lot. Like I would be like... Should I buy? Like I was kind (laughs) of. He just
0: just threw Charlie under the bus. I
1: I was kind of like, should I buy this? And and that was his. He was teaching us in this moment, like he literally wanted us to know, like guys, that is fishing business. And you know, I know that a lot of these lures that are out there are just for that, you know, for for the guy to go buy to try. But um, I didn't honestly. It didn't click until he was teaching me this that most products out there Mm -hmm. are just to get people to buy it 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 really isn't it isn't negative it isn't positive it's just if somebody wants it if there's a value to it well they're really going to come buy it and they are and they're right. making a living off
0: of it and so the the point of him bringing that up is all these scented and flavored corns that you can buy that you pay more money for the deer corn that's persimmon flavored and persimmon scented guaranteed to attract more deer that's hunting business baby right they right. want your money they want you to buy that product um, they want you to think that it's better. But what and, about like proteins and, and well, those words? It is a little different. I want to share. I want to share something to actually back up that that is hunting business. I have ran what's called a, uh, a trail camera survey, um, which is you're actually collecting tons and tons of trail camera pictures of a deer herd over a set period of time, and then you can put all of that into. Uh, Uh, an equation and it gives you your buck to doe ratio and your deer density. You're uniquely identifying every, every buck in there. And it's a really, really honestly the best way to get a picture of your deer herd. Well, to do that, you are putting corn out in front of these cameras every other day. I mean, continuously, because you have to have these deer coming repeatedly to get enough data to accurately uh, uh, make, get a picture of, of your deer herd. I have used the most expensive, Flavored up, scented. I mean, this stuff smelled so good. And then I've bought, I've compared it on the same project to the MFA Crack Corn. Zero difference. Zero difference in attractiveness. Zero difference in how much they ate. It it didn't matter. It didn't matter. What you have to remember is estimated that, that white-tailed deer have at least 300 times better sense of smell than humans. They're literally breaking breaking it down to layers of an onion. They can smell all these layers inside of everything. So when you put just regular unscented corn out, they're going to be able to smell it.
1: So, but like I was asking you, the like the proteins, the the added things in them, is that if, if they're not going to eat that, then is it beneficial to buy it or are they
0: eating it? So if you you have corn, you have corn mixed with protein that you can buy, and then you have just the straight protein deer pellet things. The the protein pellets, like the MFA deer pellets, you're talking 18% protein, really good nutritionally. Really good nutritionally for deer. Um, when I took care of captive deer, that's what we fed almost exclusively. Fed it to elk as well, and it it maintained some really healthy animals as long as you were keeping up with parasites and other things like that, like you should be with, your, with any captive animals. But Deer are going to pick the corn out first. They're going to. I have tried to transition deer, wild deer herds from corn and started putting pellets, these protein pellets in feeders. And I'm telling you, you can't hardly get them to go to it. Hmm. You can't hardly get them to go to it. So the, the corn mixed with protein is a great transition, but you'll still find when you get down to the bottom of it, there's more protein pellets left than corn. Like The, the kids, if you give a kid an option, between a, a ice cream cone and a hot dog, I mean, more times than not, <laughs> they're going to pick the ice yeah. cream cone if well, you I let mean, them have it first.
1: Even adults, like when we get done with our plate, uh, if, if if I'm starting to get full and I've just ordered a hibachi steak, um, I'm going to eat the steak and leave the veggies behind if I'm starting to get full. <laughs> like right. It's If I got to leave it, it's done. Yeah, eat the so, good stuff leave the, the, the stuff. rest. But
0: yeah. it is better than just feeding straight corn because... It is good nutritional value, the protein pellets that can be out there. but right. And you can fully transition to where that is all you're giving a deer herd and you're truly supplemental feeding. Now, it can get expensive. It can get really expensive feeding this protein. But you can trans- transition, excuse me, completely away from corn to protein pellets and eventually get your deer just eating on those. But it is not, it just doesn't have the attractiveness of corn.
1: Can you hunt over protein pellets and mineral blocks then? Can you leave them there?
0: Um, mineral blocks, Yes protein pellets, no.
1: Okay. Mineral blocks is more um, salts and things that you would find within maybe your right. pellets. And And so you it's... have to be careful okay. because
0: some companies have taken these mineral blocks and what they've done is they have integrated these protein pellets and corn pieces inside the mineral block. Mm-hmm. And now you've crossed the line and now you're illegal and you can and get a, so a huge get fine.
1: Even if you're ignorant to that. You can Even still if get you're ignorant trouble. to it. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ignorance is not bliss when it comes to hunting and fishing regulations. All
1: right. All right. So here's, here's my biggest question I've got for you then. And this You may not have the answer. Uh, There may not even be an answer, but it may just be your opinion. But I am new to, let's say I'm going to go hunt some public land. I'm new to the area. And I understand now that corn is very powerful. It's a powerful tool to use to draw deer in. But I'm not finding sign in the area. I'm not seeing, I'm just not seeing a lot of deer. When I throw corn down in that area that I want to hunt, Well, before I say that, if you're wanting to trap a coyote, you have to figure out a way to get their itty-bitty foot into this trap. Like, it isn't easy. So, just because I'm pouring corn out in an area that I've just started hunting, how in the world are these deer even finding that? Because they're not just walking around every inch of your your hunting spot. I mean, how in the world do they even find this corn when you throw it out?
0: Ben, really good questions. And a couple things I want to answer in that. One, you mentioned uh, going to hunt public land. Even in states where it's legal to hunt over corn, you really have to be careful because the regulations differ from private to public. So in a lot of states that allow corn to be out all year long, you can't actually have it out on public land. So make sure you are looking, there are plenty of uh, resources online to find your specific state's uh, baiting regulations. Baiting is the word that you want to look up. That's kind of the key word to find. Uh, but but make sure you know that before you go out because it is so different and I don't know every single state and it's constantly changing. So it is hard to keep up with.
1: Uh, I, I want to say this before you answer because you just brought up um, some more rules and regulations and and if you're listening and, and you have been doing things uh illegally um, unethically hey now you know like you didn't get in trouble no one yep. found out like it's on you now that's, to yeah do it right. yeah so so now it is time to do it right and and I just want to share that now because I, I don't want to make anybody feel bad if, if you had been doing wrong and and you realize that we're not here to to, to to be the police and put you down but now that you have this information, Um, maybe it's, yeah, it's time to act. And so Brian, yeah, for us, how are these deer finding this stuff? Like, what do you think?
0: Well, it is no lie when people say, man, I never saw deer, but I started putting out corn and I mean, in a day there was deer there. It happens all the time. They find it. It is powerful. There are theories. Nothing is proven. I mentioned earlier a deer's keen sense of smell. It's it's so keen. We can't even figure out how how keen it truly is or how it works, but it's it's unbelievable how well they smell. It's like their number one defense when it comes to predators is that sense of smell. So, for me, I think that they can smell it. I mean, if you open a bag of unscented corn, you know, I used to actually I used to actually work at a uh, a nature park, Dogwood Canyon Nature Park, and my office was in the gristmill there. And it smelled like corn all the time. And you're talking about uh, yellow-dent corn that has no scent, dried up the most basic, and it smells like corn. Like corn has a scent. So to me, I really think that because their, their sense of smell is so keen. Ben, when you smell somebody grilling a steak 10 houses down in your neighborhood, you know they're grilling a steak. Like you're ready to go down there. Before COVID.
1: <laughs> it took sense <laughs> yeah, of smell that's away. True. That's true. I, can, I can smell smoke. So I, right. I'm gonna, when I smell that, I'm like, you know, what, well, they're probably grilling something good. Right.
0: Yeah, and so I think yeah. that's what it's like for deer. Like they smell candy. They smell something great. They're going to go check it out. Another theory is, is that that kind of aerial perspective that I mentioned the state was taking with the helicopters to find it. But birds love corn too. And so all these songbirds that can see this bright yellow corn, they find it, and they start doing their feeding sounds. It is known that songbirds have a pretty vast communication system. They have specific sounds for feeding, and that deer learn those feeding sounds. And so when they hear them, they go in that direction to check out to see if it's something that they can consume as well. You know, if that is the case, if that is what's
1: happening, I've been concerned with that as well. Like when I'm hunting and the squirrels start going berserk, you know, at me walking by, I'm like... You know the deer have got to be paying attention to that. And know that that there's something happening that yeah. that need to alert them. So, um, I imagine all the wildlife are using and listening and and working with um, other wildlife as well. Like yeah, I don't think way. it's
0: like Bambi where they're talking to each other, but they learn mm-hmm. they learn each other's systems and, and tendencies. And mm-hmm. and yeah, if if you hear well, we do it. We do it with birds too. Like yeah, if we hear crows going nuts. It kind of it tells us, man, there might be turkeys over there on that ridge when, during spring. Mm-hmm. We we listen to what other wildlife are doing too to help us key in on our pursuit. Right. Well, that's good. All right.
1: So covered a lot. I think I have one more question here for you though that um, really ties into this and and something that the listener here knows that here up north in Missouri there's a lot of cornfields, um, but there isn't where I'm from where I'm at. Um, We have a few, there's a few but not
0: along our river bottoms and stuff like that, but but we are not in crop country.
1: Correct. And, you know, I have, as I was reading some of this in the past about feeding and not feeding, it talked about uh, creating lanes or hunting lanes and, and really kind of got me thinking about, is it legal? Can a hunter hunt over a cornfield? And if they can, then... How is it any different than where we're at? Like, are you, are they manipulating it? Are there things wrong? What's, share with me a little bit about that.
0: Right. So a quick recap of Missouri's regulations on, on baiting, because there are a lot of states that are just, just like that. Very similar, Illinois, Iowa, some of these, some of these other Northern states that are similar to, uh, Missouri's topography in our Northern half, um, Once corn is removed and you can hunt after it's been gone for 10 days, if you have a corn crop, if you have actually grown corn or soybeans or any kind of grain crop for that matter, you can actually mow it or cut it down and hunt over it. It isn't illegal. It is not the same as throwing out a bag of corn. And I think the reason for that is because that's the next question people ask me, well, well, that doesn't make any sense. They still love the corn just as much. But somebody's actually went through the blood, sweat, tears, and financial resources to grow a crop. They've, they've tilled the land, or no tilled the land, hopefully. <laughs> Not tilled the land. But they've planted a crop, they've fertilized it, they've grown it, they've nurtured it, they took the time to, to mow pieces of it down. And it's actually a, a great hunting resource. If you grow a corn food plot, mow part of it down, and you can hunt over that mowed part that has scattered some of the corn kernels. And as they clean that up, mow the next little piece and hunt over that next little piece it's even more it's easier for them to get so it is even more attractive than standing corn
1: you know what i just had another question that just came to me um because we've been talking about corn and kind of there's throwing it out like having it there whether you mow it just like you talked about or you're going to spot and you're pouring the bag out but we haven't actually talked very much about feeders and so you know using a feeder. Um, if you're going to put one in, are deer scared of those or because you're adding corn, they don't care? Or does it take some time? Does that kind of change some things up when you start adding a feeder into this mix with corn?
0: So with, uh, feeders that are, well, you have your gravity fed feeders and, and with corn typically You mean like
1: you can make your own out of PVC and like a tube? You can make
0: your own or buy some that are just big bins and then it just flows down as it's eaten. That's good. Yeah. Um, it does take a little time, but a lot of times what happens is mice, birds, squirrels will get in those gravity-fed feeders and they'll kind of scatter it out on the ground, and that's where you'll see the deer start. They'll eat that stuff that's scattered out, and then they'll move up to actually eating out of the feeder, or they might even root their root their nose in there and get some of that corn out and eat it off the ground. With mechanical feeders that have motors and batteries and are running at first, it may be a little alarming to them. You'll see deer on cameras actually jump these, all these cameras that take video now, but once they learn it, you can actually run that feeder without any corn and and they'll hear it and they'll come and they'll time it. If you set these on timers at two, three in the morning, Texas, it's huge. In Texas, they set these short fences with motorized feeders in the middle so the deer can get in, but the hogs cannot. And you will literally have deer waiting in the bushes. You'll see their heads poking out of the, the mesquite bushes and waiting for this feeder to go off because they have it timed that much.
1: Uh Uh-oh, so now this brings a new question I have. So I want to hunt Missouri Uh where where I know that I have to remove corn 10 days before I hunt. But if I'm putting up a feeder and they get used to this feeder, if I stop adding corn to my feeder, but I still allow this electronic feeder to kick on the normal time.
0: Ooh, I ain't answering that one. That's a game warning question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: all right what all, you're asking all.
0: is could you use the sound of the motor yeah, to bring them in yeah and, and that maybe would work but w- once one or two times of that happening right and they don't get a reward for it and one of them dies gets harvested for it then yeah, they're, they're yeah. not going to but that would be a good question for a game board. i, right. I would be quite I mean, curious it, to know that answer. it might give me the
1: edge you know for both season. i mean it might it give might. me a little bit of edge that that first few weeks there to to try to harvest uh yeah. So be careful.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, I think that's probably enough about about corn and deer, almost an hour on one topic there. I hope that you found this useful, or if you're not a hunter, you found it interesting. Again, it is okay to feed corn, but please do it in the right way. Get it out early enough in the season that you're not actually killing these deer. A lot of times people put it out too late and really their heart's in the right place. So they want to help, but these deer will run off and die because they are not able to properly digest corn. So if you're wanting to feed corn, feed corn within the regulations. Get it out early in the year. If you live in a state that you are not supposed to hunt over corn, for the love, please don't hunt over the corn. Think about somebody else and not just yourself. You will still be able to harvest a deer. You might just have to put in a little more work. If you have questions for us about where you live and the regulations and you want us to help or maybe even give advice, some hunting advice about... Uh, how to approach your property. We would love to help. Please reach out to us at m2beoutdoors at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're putting videos and content up on there, uh, outdoor tips for fishing, camping, survival, hunting, all of that all the time. We're constantly thinking of new ideas. Uh, Meant to be outdoors podcast Q&A page. You can follow around with uh, follow along with our exact content that is going up on the podcast as well. If you want to support us financially, Uh, To be honest, we need the help and we would greatly appreciate it if you have the resources and uh, have the heart to do so. Find our Leak Tree link on any of our bios, on any of our social media accounts. Go down to Patreon and you can become uh, a financial patron. As little as $5 a month and that would uh, greatly support us and we would be so thankful for that. Whatever platform you listen on, please leave us a review. That helps us go up the rankings so that more people can find the Meant To Be Outdoors podcast. We will be back next week with a brand new episode and as always we hope between now and that time that you remember you are meant to be outdoors thank you for listening to the meant to be outdoors podcast hosted by brian hoffmeyer and ben brandell please help us by subscribing also follow along on tiktok instagram and facebook